Good morning. How we doing? How's Thanksgiving weekend going? Pretty good. I got a question for you. Did you get enough to eat this week? Did someone not get enough? Okay. I think if you prick my finger, it would bleed gravy right now. I think I had my fill. Hopefully you did. Uh, I'm so glad that you took time to be with us today. If you're brand new with us, my name's Dan. I serve as a pastor here. And if you're watching online as well, we're, we're glad you joined us today. I really appreciate Josh. He's been running around all over the place this morning with kids downstairs and coming up with us. And it's kind of crazy, crazy time. It's been a crazy week of weather and all that's happening. And so again, thanks for those who have been praying and helping and serving. We, we've got some friends that are in need. I know I, I saw a picture yesterday and they're, they're cleaning out from their, their flood and their home. And it's just, it's just so devastating. So I'm glad to be in a semi-dry building. I noticed that uh, we had a water leak somewhere. It came... It's all wet here. I'm not sure where that came from, but uh, that's, it's, I know it's leaking there. Well, it's beautiful. It's raining. Enjoy that, Nick, right where you're at. That's awesome. Good. So, uh, but I want to, we're, we're wrapping up today this series that we've been in for several weeks, really all fall, this living in the light. And, and today is our last day of a message that we'll be focused on here in, in the book of John, but we're not quite done with our guides. And in this last, this last fall, we've been going through, maybe you've come here on, on Sunday and participated in our gathering here. You've been part of a group. You've been doing this guide. We actually have two more weeks in this guide. So this coming week and then the week after to finish up the book of John. So today is not a stopping point, but there'll be a continuation as we finish the series up. But this is the last day of the message. And the reason for that is we're linking up with our CTK network on a wonderful Christmas program that we're going to be doing together, Christmas series that we're going to be working on together. So this is the last day of orange. You're going to see anything fall. Our team tomorrow night will be transforming our, our place here into to a Christmas wonderland. And if you want to help with that, by the way, 5 o'clock tomorrow, they, could, they could, could use some help with Christmas decorations. Maybe you haven't gotten the spirit of it yet, and you're like, I just need to, I, need a, I want to help. So come, come join us for that. You could be here tomorrow night for that. But we're getting in the Christmas season. It's a wonderful, redemptive opportunity to, to invite people towards. And the next few weekends in, in December, we're actually going to have some theme weekends. Next week, we're going to have like a, a photo booth downstairs so you can come and get, get, a, get, a, get a photo if you haven't got for your Christmas card yet, if you want to you do that. We're, we're going to bring back some, some themes. We're going to channel the flannel on another week. We're going to just wear our Christmas flannel or any kind of flannel that you want. Wear your Sunday best flannel, whatever you'd like to wear. Uh, for that. And then, of course, we've got to bring back our ugly sweater. Uh, Sunday, we'll be doing that. And then, you know, we're going to have, you know, candlelight and, and Christmas cookies on, on December 24th, which will be our Christmas Eve gathering, a special time that we, we host in our, our community. So here we are. Tis the season. We're about it. But today, I want to wrap up with one more message, like I said, when it comes to living in the light. You know, this whole fall and we're getting to the darker and shorter days that even though it's darker and shorter we don't have to live our lives that way that the, the brightness of Christ can continue to illuminate through our lives and as we jump all the way to the close to the basically the last chapter of the book of John John 21 there's a question that I want to go to that that Jesus asked it's a question that was had a lot of emotion at the moment it was asked and probably has a lot of emotion to us if we were asked this question in John 21 15 this is what Jesus asked 
this question. Do you love me? Do you love me? Now, let me just think about this. If someone asks you that question, they, they sat across from you and said, do you love me? How would you feel about that? Some different kinds of emotions stir you up a little bit, don't they? You, you might be going, might be feeling a little bit insecure in the relationship. What do you mean? Why would you ask me that? Do you love me? Of course I love you, right? That might be the response we'd say. Another question, another response might have been rather than kind of that mean insecurity and, 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 and doubt. There's a, like somehow there's a doubt in this relationship. The other, the other feeling might have been this is that, is that what do you want from me? Do, do you love me? And maybe, maybe your kids have done that. You did as a kid, you know. Daddy, mommy, I, you know what? I love you, you know. And like, well, what do you want? <laughs> How much do you want the check to be made out, right? If that's, we're like, what do you want from me? There's some, there's some stirring of emotions that, that go with it. And, and, and this question is asked to someone that had a, had a deep relationship with Jesus. And when we look at this person, you probably know who it is when you've read through John, you recognize they're going, if this, if there was any doubt in this relationship, would there, would there be a doubt in my relationship with Jesus? There's times that we, we, we doubt, not so much, maybe, maybe at times we feel like we doubt God's love, but a lot of times we doubt our love toward God by, by our response to him. There's times that we, we mess up and we say the wrong thing and do the wrong thing. We sin and we're going, oh my gosh, I thought I loved Jesus. And yet, what happened? I, I, I went a different direction. I, I did take a detour off my, the path in which I was following Jesus in the first place. So this question, it comes with a lot of tension. It, and it, it comes with a lot of events that led up to this question. It, 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 was, it was a testing that happened really in a relationship. It's a motion that is stirred with denial and abandonment and even betrayal, all leading up to really just this deep, probably this deep level of regret. When Jesus needed him the most, he deserted him. When, when he was counting on him, to, at the end of it all, when they all, they all forsaked him, but even this one, even this one, forsaked him, which was, which was Peter. Peter blew it big time. Have you ever blown it big time? Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, me too. Yep. Thank you. That's, that's authenticity right here. Because we, we've done that. We've, we've struggled. Deep regrets. We've taken actions. Maybe last week or last year or last 10 years, there's abusiveness toward others. There's unfaithfulness toward a spouse or toward a friend. Might have been addiction that has robbed our years of, of life, that, those people that we love. Might have been messed up our priorities, our careers, more important than people. We've spoke words that we know we never can take back. They're already out there. We wish we could, but we can't. Financial decisions that literally we're paying the price for today. More importantly, it's affected our relationship, and I would say our passion for God with him. And it's the relationship, maybe there's a relationship, but it's, it's distant, it's fractured, and maybe it's painful right now. We do live in the woulda, shoulda, couldas of life. So much energy we found and, and regret really of this, the regret that's led to a feeling of failure. And I, I've found and you found too that you can learn a lot from failure. You can learn a lot from your own failures, but you can actually learn a lot from other people's failures. I've kind of learned in business and leadership when someone's sharing about their successes, I, I don't typically buy it. 
If they're all they're talking about how well they've done, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm calling you know what on that because I, I don't, you, if you're not sharing how you've been, you failed. If you're not sh- sharing how you've messed up, yet you made the wrong decision, the price you paid, guess what? It's not very credible. We've all been there. And that's what I love as we look at the story and reminder of Peter to all of us that God truly, truly uses imperfect people to still fulfill his will. And yet there's pain in the process as we go through. Peter is asked this question, do you love me? It must have hit him to the core. It must have, it must have took his breath away when, when Jesus asks this question on that beach one day that we're gonna look at in a moment. It's a moment of, of beauty and redemptive situation that allowed restorative relationship and really I would say one of the most empowering moments in all the Bible. Yet the legacy of Peter can easily, up until this point, up until this point of this question, can easily been labeled as a deserter and, a, and really a loser. A person that was failure, a failure of such a degree that may be ever recorded in scripture. And yet, this moment ended up being one of the greatest turning points in his life and really the, the, the entire scripture and in, in, in history that we have of Christianity. See, Peter, Peter, we know, ended up being one of the greatest leaders. He, he was the one that got up and preached on that day of Pentecost and first really true message, the gospel, and people came to faith. Peter was one of the, the leaders in Acts 15. You can read how he organized people, and he was the one that spoke on behalf of everyone, saying, listen, just doesn't matter what your nationality is, your heritage, everybody can experience the salvation of Jesus. Peter was the one. He was the one that, that, that was part of the, the writers in, in the New Testament. His letters, First and Second Peter, are recorded. They're, they're canonized in, in the Bible that we have. You think about this, Peter, there's a lot of names out there of buildings, of, of hospitals and cathedrals named St. Peter. I mean, it's a pretty common name, Peter, out there, okay? That's a, that's a name. It lasted, it's lasted 2,000 years, and, and some would say it was unique. And when, when Jesus called Peter, Peter, there wasn't any Peters before that. He was, they believe he was the first Peter by Jesus naming him that. And here it's lasted all these years. Many, millions of people named Peter throughout the years, right? You don't see a whole lot of birth certificates say Judas, do they? Not at all. There's something amazing that happened. And there's something that for us that, that speaks of this, for us that separates those who have who've maybe worn the label of loser and deserter and that, that that's their legacy versus the ones that find it. And, that, that, that found success and it found life in Jesus. And, and this is our last core truth for this series is this. Failure does not have to have the final word. What we find with Peter and we find for ourselves, we need to realize in this is that, that failure does not have to have the final word. You, you've heard this before. When you, if you're not dead, God's not done. Right? Amen. Yet he's still at work. He's still doing a work even at this moment, even in all that was happening in our lives. And I think what's happening is we, we need to careful of our mentality when it comes to, to failure because what I heard this week was is that it was a good line. It says that failure is an event. It's not a person. It's, there's a big difference between I have failed and I am a failure. 
those completely different perspectives that are there. Yeah, we're going to fail. There's going to be a mess up. There's going to time we're going to blow it big time. But what do we do with that? Failure does not have to be the final statement of our lives. God's saying, I'm not done. You're not dead. Despite the setbacks, what you're going through, it can be different. I know we can't undo the past, but we can learn from it. We can grow from it. It can be different. Jesus looked in the eyes of Peter that day and asked this question, do you love me? It was a pivotal moment. His legacy was on the line. Now, what's behind the question though? Jesus and Peter into this, this very place. Well, we need to go back just a bit. Be reminded of the moment that Jesus saw Peter. What was he doing? Fishing with his crew. And Jesus called out, Hey, have you caught anything? No? Try the other side of the boat. I'm like, who's this guy to tell us how to fish? Well, because you say so, Peter said, and they flipped the nets over and they had massive haul of fish. And, and it's that moment that Peter realized who Jesus was beyond just an ordinary person. And Peter responded in repentance and, and turns his life to Jesus. And Jesus says, hey, it's time for you to leave this, what you're doing here, to go not just be fishers of fish, to be fishers of of men. Peter was, the, was that lead disciple. He was the one. He was the only one that got out of the boat that day. Jesus, Jesus called out, and Peter was the one that would walk on water. He, he, he stumbled a little bit, but he, once he fixed his eyes on Jesus, he knew. Jesus asked, well, a lot of people were asking, who am I? Who, who do you think I am? Well, Peter was the one that says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter did it. He said it. it and, and, and we get to the Last Supper account where Jesus, that very night, he was going to, he was going to be crucified and, and be put to death. And by the way, we're going to have a, a, a few minutes, in a few minutes, we're going to spend some time around the communion table. And if you're online, I encourage you to get a cracker and juice and, and participate with us here in a few minutes. Get ready for that. But here's this moment, this, this place of communion, this time of reflection, what Christ is going to do. And, and, and Jesus began to say, hey, you are all going to betray me, every, every single one of you. And this is what Matthew records. He says, even if all fall away, Peter says, I count of you, I never will. What does Jesus say? Truly I tell you. This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I, have die, I will die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Well, in a few short hours, what happened? Jesus is arrested. There's a, there's a, there's a fire and, and Peter's huddled by. Jesus is over on the side being scourged and tried and beaten and all this commotions going on about the rest of Jesus and he's huddled by the fire staying warm and people go hey you 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 you're one of them right you're one of the Jesus people you're one of the disciples aren't you no 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 I'm not and then someone another person is like hey your your accent there it sounds Galilean you're 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 one of no I'm not and then there was a a girl probably middle school age says Hey, you're you're one of, you're you're a part of that. No, blank, blank. I don't know the guy. 
A middle school girl he couldn't even confess to. That's where he was. And scripture immediately says, as the rooster crowed, the Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you, you would disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Talk about a defeat. Talk about a moment when you got it all together and you're the lead disciple and you got all the right answers. And there's times Peter messed up and said things and all online, but he was really the one. He really was a one of anybody who Jesus could count on was him. And within just a short amount of time, it, he deserts him and, and denies him, and that is it. Well, where does that leave us? Think about this. Well, I want you, you can write this in. Even the best can betray those we love the most. Even the best can betray those we or who we love the most. A lot of it's happened, you know, I think in, in life where we find ourselves, and this might be in, in people in our, in our faith, it might be in leadership, it might be maybe just growing in our Christian walk, sometimes we can find ourselves arriving at a certain place. I know for myself, when I came to faith in Christ, I was a teenager and I was kind of fast-tracked into leadership and then, then I felt the call of God to, to be a pastor and so I decided to go to Bible college and, I, and it just because it's expensive to go to school so I held a lot of jobs and one of the jobs I had was, was delivering paint and so I was, I was driving around downtown, actually south central Seattle, very rough part of the area, and, and I, I was looking, I had, I had a truck I was driving for delivery, and it had really wide mirrors, and I'm, I'm looking for the address as I'm going down Martin Luther King Boulevard, looking, I'm looking at the buildings, and I didn't pay attention to my mirrors, and I, I'm driving along, and all of a sudden I hear, bam, and I'm like, gosh, was that a gunshot? Like, what's going on? And I look in my side mirror, and one of the parked cars on the side, its, it's, it's mirror is dangling like this. I'm like, oh my gosh, I hit that. My mirror hit that car. And as soon as I looked, this whole gang of people came out of the building. And there were rough-looking people. I'm like, what do I do? You know what I did? I kept driving. <laughs> now, I don't know what the statue of limitations for hit and run are I'm hoping it's past 25 years so I'm confessing that to you I've done that before but I felt bad here I was thinking I've kind of got a place oh I'm you know called the ministry I'm doing this and I just committed a crime okay I think we all you know like man if you just done that there's a lot of worse things I've done and I get that and there's a lot of things I could confess to you that would be embarrassed to confess as well, right? We're not perfect in all of this, and yet, even when we're dedicated to the Lord, the best, even the best of us will do that. And what happens, though, is the regret forms, we get humbled, and, and it, but it, it, you know, risk of damage on our reputation, it fractures faith, and it's all based on ego that's connected with fear rather than faith. And that's what happened. What's interesting, Mark records this about, about Peter denying Jesus, and it, I think it just sums up the defeating moment. It says when he denied him, P, Mark says this, Peter followed him at a distance. Can you picture that? Here's Jesus and all he's going through, and, and there's even kind of a mention that, that Jesus and Peter had eye contact at that moment. Can you imagine what that must have felt like for Peter? Following Jesus at a distance. I think it's a reminder for us, isn't it? There's just times that we we do that. It doesn't mean that we're not have faith in Christ. It doesn't mean we don't believe in him, but we find that maybe our relationship with, with him is distant. How about that for you? 
Is it because of what you've done? Is it because of the things that you've you got yourselves involved with that you, you find yourself in a distant relationship with him? And I find that over and over with people. And this is the this is, the, this is the tragedy many times in people's faith. When they've messed up, when they've blown it big time, that they'll, what they'll do is they'll distance themselves from God, but they'll also distance themselves with, from God's people. They'll pull themselves out of community. They'll realize that my life is too messed up and I, I just don't want to get people involved. They might judge me. They might look down upon me. And even they might give me advice that I just don't want to hear. And so I'm going to step away and I'm going to drift away over and over. And I think, I think the last couple of years have shown that for people that they've looked for the excuse not to participate in community longer. And it's, it's over and over again. And it's sad and it's tragic. It's a lesser version of walking with, with Jesus than he desires for us to have. And that defeat can work us over in such a way that causes depression and hopelessness. Let me, let me challenge you and I with this. You've heard this before over and over. Don't let defeat define you, but let it refine you. Don't let defeat define you, but let it refine you. I, I'm a sucker for every comeback story. I love, or, you know, underdog story, the Rudys and the Rockies and, and you know, Michigan beating Iowa State. I don't know how you felt about that yet, yesterday. Uh, but, but the reality is, like, we, we like the underdog. And when we, we've had times where we've come back in our lives. And we be reminded spiritually that there's always a comeback opportunity. There's always a moment that we can take. I love, last week we read in the book of James, how defeat and challenges can, can really take us through this process of refinement. In the message version of James, we read the NIV. This is what it says, thought was interesting. It says, consider it a sure gift, friends, when, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced in the open to show its true colors. Don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you become mature, well-developed, not deficient in any way. What's James saying there? Don't try to worm your way out of it. Don't, don't pull away from the work that God is doing in you. Even in your defeat, even in your mess up, even when you've blown it and you say you denied your faith in a sense, it's not too late. Allow that pressure and everything you've gone through to refine you, mature you in this, this process. Defeat does not have to define us because failure is not the final word according to Jesus. Peter didn't realize this. He and, and the rest of the disciples were not realizing it, even at the point of death. When they saw Jesus die, they thought that was the nail in the coffin. But the nail on the cross was 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 a sign of death. What was the sign of death? The death of sin. The death that was put to death for our sins. It was a triumphant moment. They didn't know that. It was through that defeat of death that led to the resurrection. See, a great reminder of this failure is not final is because of this. The resurrection reminds us that our choice we have a choice for our second chance. The resurrection reminds us it's our choice for a second chance. The, the death of Jesus and then his life coming is all about that. The, I love, I don't know about you, I love the ability to, to take a retake, the do-over, right? 
I remember playing uh, video games when I'm so old to remember that the first time I played video games, I had to put a quarter in. And then I played for like 10 seconds. And then I had to put another quarter in. And all of a sudden, they came out with home versions that all I had to do was hit that reset button. And I start over. No coins involved. That was, do you remember the moment? Some of you remember that? That was pretty amazing. Uh, Chris was reminding us with the GPS that, you know, I'm getting rerouted. I can just hit the reroute button on my GPS. I'm brought back, that I can be brought back to Jesus. And there's a reset that can take place. It's through the resurrection. Peter was about to, to, to get his, here he is, a denier, a deserter. He, 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 he's living in defeat. What, what does Peter do after the resurrection, before this moment that happens? Well, he goes back to what he knows to do, and that's fishing. He goes back to fishing fish. And there's this amazing day that, that, that Jesus, after the resurrection, he's on the shore, and he's looking out. There they are again in the boat. And he calls out to him. He must have had a lot of fun with this. Hey, guys, have you... Have you caught anything yet? No. Put your net on the other side. And they do, and they bring in the hall. And it's that moment, they're like, this looks familiar. (laughs) It's the Lord. And they jump out of their boats, and they run to shore. And they're just so excited. And you know what Jesus has? He has breakfast waiting for him. The resurrected Lord made him breakfast. And they're fellowshipping, and they're spending time. And and it's not the only encounter they saw Jesus, but this is his fresh encounter they had since the resurrection and they're just enjoying this and then there's this moment that comes that Jesus says hey Pete come over a second come on come over here yeah come on come on let's 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 have a little let's have a little chat and I don't know if you remember in, in middle school when the, the intercom came on and it said can such and such such person come to the to the office please right? And you're like, and everybody said, oh, busted, right? That was the moment the disciples were probably thinking that. And you're thinking about this, you know, is, is Peter going, oh, here it comes, here it comes. Jesus asked him this simple question. Hey, I got a question for you. Do, do you love me? You find it interesting that after the denial, after the drama, after the cross, everything that Jesus went through, these are the words. This is the question that Jesus asked him. Don't you find that fascinating? I mean, Peter, she should, she should have been expecting something like, okay, Peter, what happened, man? <laughs> Where were you when I needed you the most? Would, would Jesus go, you know, hey, listen, no skin off my back. Actually, a lot of skin off my back. <laughs> but you know, Peter, I, you know what? All that's happened and all took place. Listen, Peter, I forgive you. That's actually not here in this. That's not what, that's not what Jesus says. And in fact, Jesus doesn't even reprimand him. He doesn't even offer any kind of words of like reconciliation, like, are we good? Are you good? No, there's none of that. He asks him this question, do you love me? Now, it's interesting if you're a Bible scholar and you're into that and studying Greek words, Jesus asks Three times, which we know why there's three times, okay? We, we, we've seen the parallel there, and Peter will get it here in a moment. But there's, in three questions, do you love me? Two of the three, he uses the word agape, which means love in Greek. And we've heard that word agape love, it's sacrificial volitional love, like loving at will, okay? But there's another 
Greek word, phileo, that he uses that speaks of brotherly love. That's where we get the, the name Philadelphia. And he uses it differently here. It's fascinating. Here, here Jesus asks him, and actually the specific question is tied with this. He says here in John, it says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And then he says this, more than these. Now, it's interesting. Note that he says Simon, not Peter. It's an opportunity that Jesus is kind of now sticking it to him. Is he trying to bring him back to the level? I think possibly in all that Jesus' heart for Peter is this. Hey, can I just remind you where you came from? Can I remind you of your past, where you come from? I'm not hanging that over you, but remember how far we've come, Peter. Look what the journey that we've been on. Simon, look how far you've come. Peter, I don't know. He, he, don't you forget, don't forget this. And then, then Jesus asked, do you love me more than these? What, what are the these? These what? Well, what was around him? Fish. Peter, you, 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 you know, all that we went through, you went back to these. Is this, is, are these the these that you're, you're about? Fishing for fish rather than, remember we talked about fishing for men? I have a question for all of us here. What, what are the these in your life? What, what are the these? Is it, is it money? Is it stuff? If it's reputation? If it's, is it things that you, that you want or do? Is there, what are the these? Peter, Peter replied, yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Well, Jesus isn't done at all. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Take care of my sheep. Jesus asked him the first two times, do you agape me? Yes, Lord, I do. Do you agape me? Yes, Lord, I do. Peter's like, okay, I get it. Well, not quite. The third time comes, and we all know about the third time. This one seems to sting. A third time he says to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And that love there is a word phileo, which is friendship love. It's companionship. It's closest. It's intimate friendship with him. This must have hit deeper. Not only the three times where you're going, okay, I get it, I get it, denied you, denied you, denied you. Here's the one that must have stuck to Peter. What happened? Well, this is what the response, check out Peter's response. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know in all things, in all things, you know that I love you all things not not the fish not this anything else no you really like and lord, and lord i yes i phileo you i love you as a friend i do want close relationship now what is jesus response good let's hug it out no feed my sheep what is jesus doing here what is he telling peter what is he telling us The simple question, do you love me? You know, I think a lot of it is this. He's, he's telling us, that, and he's telling Peter that day, Jesus saying, I, you know I love you. You know I forgive you. You, I know, you need to understand my love, my agape for you, is I, I, I did that for you. I've proven it on the cross. 
I, I, I agape you and the sacrifice I made for you. But do you phileo me? Because I phileo you. I want relationship with you. I think in some ways he's saying to Peter, my love and acceptance has never changed regardless of your, your rejection of me. It's no different than the day you gave your life to me. Don't worry, even question my love and acceptance and forgiveness. I provide it for you. This is a done deal. We don't have to question. Peter, we don't have to question any longer whether I love you or not. It's already been proven. I think the same thing is saying to us. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? This is a pivotal moment. This we came this place. This came the place for Peter where he would then lead from this moment, this pivotal moment that would determine his legacy, that would determine whether he would be in the, in the record books a loser, a, a deserter, or will he be the leader that, that, that Jesus was calling to be? Will he be the one out of this defeat, out of this failure, that he would be used? It was a choice that he had to make. It was a choice to choose that place he would become a, a, a leader. He, the cathedrals would be named after him and, and children, boys would be named after him. I mean, he became that. See, we need to recognize this in response. Failure is not final. No, this is to respond to the opportunity and to be all in again. To be all in again. Right? We might not have cathedrals and hospitals named after us. That's if that's your goal, I'm not sure if that's the best goal to have. But I would say this, Jesus wants to use our lives. And I believe he's saying the same thing to us. He's saying, Peter, they, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you understand that what I mean by that, that it's not just what I've done for you on the cross, what I've accomplished. You do not have to question that any longer. I think it's a reminder for us is this, is that we so get caught up in we did wrong forgiveness. We did wrong forgiveness. We did wrong forgiveness. And I'm saying we do wrong and we need forgiveness. There's nothing, nothing but we, we sell ourselves short to what truly what the Lord wants in our lives. He wants us to go beyond the forgiveness gospel. He wants us to move beyond just getting clan and and, and try not to do bad stuff and then if you do get, get forgiven again in the cycle of sin over and over again that is a defeating, defeating life and that version of Christianity you're not going to make it I don't even warn you you're going to live in a defeated life and you're going it's not even worth it any longer many do many have left it it's, it's not worth it but look what Jesus says it is not about just forgiveness it's not just about being right with God Jesus says to Peter, and he says to me, hey, says to you and I, listen, you are forgiven, but guess what? There's so much more I have for you. I want you to do what I've called you to do. I need you to be all in, so get to work. Get to work. Let's tire, let's tire of talking about it. Let's tire of living in defeat all the time. Let's get busy in what the mission of Jesus is called to do. I have called you to feed my people. I have called you to care for my little lambs. I've called you to help rescue those that are fallen, those that are lost to come back toward me. Do it. 
You've blown it. Yeah, okay, great. Okay, forgive. Yeah, we're, we're, we don't need to go back there. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Let's get back to work to what I've called you to do. I'm gonna invite Chris to come as we close. We're gonna have this time of communion. And a few years ago, well, 2015, I took a group to Israel and I remember the day where we were on the beach in Galilee and, and we went and there was, there was a little church that was there and we went on to this, this little beach and we're on the shore of Galilee. And I just remember the water crashing and it was just a beautiful sunny day and our guy was saying, hey, they, they really do believe this, traditionally this is where Jesus cooked the breakfast for the disciples. In fact, they, he pointed to the rock where they believe this rock was there. Is it the actual rock? I don't know. It's been a long time. But it was a moment that I had. And I remember just having a reflection time as we were there. And I, got, I, I reflected on this story. And I reflected back what Jesus asked Peter. Do you, do you love me? And what I did was I, I, I picked up this rock. This is the rock that was on the shore of, of Galilee. I picked it up, put it in my pocket, and, and I'm going, I want to be, I want, Lord, I, and when I did this, I was like, Lord, I want to re-up my commitment to you. I want to go back to the calling. Lord, I want to move beyond just a mediocre walk with you. Lord, I really want to be about the mission that you've called me to. And it was a re-up moment. You know that we get a re-up moment at times called communion. We have the opportunity. In fact, I encourage you, if you're in your chairs here, go ahead and open up your your cup and your, your, your bread there. If you're online, I hope that you can grab something here and just participate with us here in a moment. But this is a re-up opportunity for you. You might be going, man, I, I have blown it, Dan. This week, I said something, I did something. It just, it's, I'm really embarrassed by it. In fact, I had an opportunity to really share my faith with someone. I had this moment that I could have said something and I didn't, I cowered. You, you might be living with some regret. I get that. I've done the same thing. There's things I, I said this week I wish I didn't say. There's some things I should have said this week, but for whatever reason, I held back to do it. Well, this is our opportunity to re-up. This is our opportunity. As Jesus had breakfast with his disciples, he's breaking bread with them and basically reenacting communion with them all over again. He said, hey, it just doesn't happen just at the, uh, the, 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 sup, the last supper. Guess what? I'm going to have another meal with you. We call it the last supper, but he, he had another meal with them. He had another opportunity. And just be reminded for us that we have the same thing, that we have the same opportunity that we get to do with Jesus when we participate in communion. And I want to encourage you. Jesus is asking you the simple question. Do you love me? We might be going like Peter did. Lord, you know I love you. Of course I love you. Feed my sheep. Do, do what I've called you to do. Because you don't have to. When, when Jesus asks this, and we need to be reminded that this proves his love. There's, no, there's nothing else that needs to be done. He proved himself. You don't have to question God's love for you any longer because it's already been taken care of on the cross. Now we just live in that love. And maybe there's a moment for you to go, yeah, but there's some things I did I need to confess. Well, do that. 
And then get back onto the mission that he's called you to do. Jesus held up the bread and he says, Here's, here, let me show you how much I love you. My body is going to be put to death so that you can have life. Eat in remembrance of my sacrifice. Later on in the supper, he held up the cup. He says, my blood will be shed for all of mankind's sin to forgive all. It's a done deal. I, I did everything that needed to be done. No more blood needs to be shed. Nothing more needs to be proven to appease God's wrath. I have brought a new covenant through a relationship with everyone through the forgiveness of my sins because of my blood. Drink in remembrance of me. Let's just pray together. I encourage you this moment to make it incredibly personal right here. I want you to picture Jesus like he was looking in the eyes of Peter. He's looking in the eyes of you. And he's asking you, do you love me? If your answer is a bit of doubt of your love for him and his love for you, just right now say, Lord, help me. Forgive me of anything that's holding me back. Lord, I confess that I've followed you in a distance. I've distanced myself emotionally and relationally from you and even other people that know you as well. Lord, forgive me. If there's a known sin, confess that. Just get clean. Just do that today. But don't just do that. Do this. Lord, I commit to feed your sheep. I commit to your will. Whatever that will, Lord, if, if there's something, these, the, the, the these that I, are in the way, it's my money, it's my, it's my job, it's my other relationships, it's the things I've, I've, I've allowed to get in the way to really truly love you, Lord. God, help me, Lord, to make you priority. Lord, especially as we go into this holiday season, may we not miss it this year miss what it's all about. It is all about you, Jesus. Lord, we commit ourselves to that. Nothing would get in the way. And Lord, whatever the sheep look like, God, who you want us to reach out to, the work of your will that you want us to accomplish, Lord, may we re-up and commit to that. Let nothing stop us in getting in the way of that commitment. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for that. I pray for everyone here as they, they leave this place, that they, they re-upped in your commit, their commitment to you. And here we are all out, going to go out and feed your sheep. We're going to care for lost people that need to be brought in to know you. We're going to give friendship to people. We're going to click on walkemstrong.com and say, Lord, how can I help feed your sheep this week and caring and volunteering and helping? We're going to give generously. We're going to do the things, God, you called us to do. There's lots to do. May we not let anything hinder us and even the doubt and insecurities and even where defeat comes in, it will not define us. It all refines us toward the goal that you called us to, to be about you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I invite you to